Okay, COVID-19 comrades, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Season 2, Episode 7, and uh, we got a good one for you this, this month. We're going to be talking about sighting in your AK-47, how to zero your AK-47. And uh, as usual, I brought in people who are smarter than me to talk about this. So uh, I'm just like you guys, just like you, you uh, AK Corner listeners. I'm I'm learning here too, and uh, I'm picking topics that that are going to help me, and hopefully that they're going to be beneficial to you as well. Uh, if you get, didn't get an opportunity, make sure you go to last month's episode, um, and we took listener questions. So it was a kind of a free for all. I uh, made a post on social media, had you guys ask your questions, anything, everything. Uh, and uh, we had a, a, a panel lined up, but due to this, um, God, I hate to say it, man, the this made-up freaking pandemic that we've got going on, uh, I think people are blowing it way out of proportion, but that's just me. A lot of them dropped off, so uh, we had our resident expert, Brian Keeney, joining us. Uh, and like le- last episode, Brian's going to be joining us this episode. Brian, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Great to be here again. Well, I'm I'm glad you made it, and I'm glad you're coronavirus free. Uh, apparently, I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to. I mean, it's it's dozens and dozens of personal people that I know, and I've asked, you know, do they know anybody personally who has had the virus? And unanimously, it has been no. It's always. Well, a friend of a friend told me that such and such had it. So, yep, yep, it's uh, it's starting to get a little weird. I think it's been weird from the very beginning. But regardless, I mean, we're you know doing what we're supposed to. We're pushing through, uh, but yet at the same time, we're keeping one eye open as to uh, what the left hand's doing over there, as the right hand is telling us this kind of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure that the right hand is much better than the left hand at the moment. Everybody seems <laughs> to like to grab power in a in a in a calamity, and it's 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 not looking good for most folks in government as to their behavior. Yeah, it's not, and I think a lot of their true colors are are being shown right now. Uh, so hopefully, people are awake and watching and taking yep. note. Yep, yep. But totally. that's that's for another show. <laughs> I think we talked about it a little bit on a, on a show a little bit earlier, but uh, also joining us, uh, we've got regular to the show, to the uh, AK Corner, and to the regular show, the Talking Lead Podcast. We've got our good buddy Jay Dressler down there in Florida representing Century Arms today, the presenting sponsor of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Welcome in, Jay. Hey, thanks for having us again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Glad you could make it. I'm glad Adam cut you free from... Uh, <laughs> From your overload of duties, uh, I've heard that the firearms industry isn't hurting from this um, pandemic. How are you guys faring? Uh, For the exception of working from home, uh, factories up and running, imports are continuing. Uh, We have people working basically normal schedules. There hasn't been any uh, uh, redirection of labor or anything like that. So we're basically uh, buying and shipping as usual. Very good. You know, and this is something I want to talk about, too, is the, you know, the ammo sales. I've, I've seen a lot of posts about how uh, the consumer feels like the companies are gouging them right now with the, the prices. You know, a five five six round is now a dollar a round or more. 
and then you know it varies from there with the nine and all the other but across the board i think we've seen an increase in the the consumer price of ammo uh, but that's due to you know real increase in price on the manufacturer side you know it's not a made-up fictional price that they're just throwing on there to try to gouge the consumer uh you know resources are harder to get now with a lot of the shipping and you know other companies that manufacture some of the parts have been shut down uh you know that just across the board is going to increase prices and then of course like you said uh you guys are probably working even harder than you normally do trying to work from home and trying to keep up with the demand uh you know that puts extra hours in which is extra cost and you know, it just it just universally makes things more expensive so i think for the time being you know we're going to see a, an increase in ammo for a while now i, th- I think that that may traditionally be true with uh, uh pull through from your re- uh, from your retail stores uh coming from the distributors uh distributors uh basically have a good supply at least at least at least from what they're purchasing from us for uh, red army standard ammunition our our supplies are doing pretty well um and and our and our distributors who have uh, pulled through that product were uh, were basically first on board as soon as uh, consumer demand started to increase mm-hmm. so but we're, but we're continuing to import ammunition and um as as long as we're importing it then uh uh, regular folks should be able to, you know, go to wherever it is that they buy and, uh, sure. and, and get what they need. And this, this pandemic isn't just in America, it's, it's worldwide, you know, so this is affecting manufacturers in other countries. So where you're getting your distributions from, uh, I'm sure that they're affected in, you know, some manner by this as well. Okay, Brian, so you brought a guest, a special guest to join us today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce Pete to the Leadhead Brigade. Yeah, I was, I've been a customer of Pete's for maybe five years, known him for three or four, and uh, he makes great quality ammunition and um, is, is quite quite the precision shooter. And um, yeah, Pete, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, like Brian said, I've, I've been in the industry uh, pretty much all my life. I uh, started you know, with my family's company, Corbon Ammunition. I'm sure uh, a lot of you guys have heard of that. And I've been in the industry for, you know, like I said, all my life. And uh, I was in law enforcement for 14 years, um, did a lot of fun stuff in that, um, did a little bit of stuff overseas for some precision shooting stuff, uh, actually in the country of Georgia, which is, you know, essentially Russia. They'd probably <laughs> kill me if I made that comparison. But uh, but yeah, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time. This is this is my passion and my love and and uh started defiant munitions after i left corbon and we make you know high-end self-defense uh solid copper expanding rounds for hunting and self-defense very cool we were super excited to have you on joining us today i know that you're going to uh, have a lot to contribute to today's topic which uh, is zeroing in the ak-47 yeah yeah i hope so so um brian the ak-47 uh a russian designed rifle uh, you were telling us a story beforehand, uh, kind of the history on uh, how they came up with designing uh, or the design for the AK-47 sites. Talk about that. Yeah, so there's a bunch of calculus that goes into determining how a bullet drops um, over distance. And, uh, of course, you know, they knew about calculus in the 40s. They knew about it in the 1600s. But um, 
It's been around a minute, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> computing it was another story. And so they did the smart thing and took empirical measurements of just imagine a gun placed horizontally, not that it really matters, and then just moving a target from 25 or 50 yards out to 1,000. And of course, you have to tip it up, but let's say you put it on the edge of a cliff, okay? And you shoot out over the edge of this cliff and you measure how far the bullet drops. And then you figure out the corresponding angle that you'd need to move the gun to, to have it shoot flat that entire distance. So once they figured that out, they could make a ramp that is on every AK-47 out there. If you lift up the leaf sight, there's a funny shaped ramp underneath there. And that's actually what we call an analog computer. And uh, you never knew you had a computer on your AK until right now. But what's going on is that depending on where you move that, the, the cross slide there, it hits a different part of that ramp that is doped out for, it literally is the dope chart for the AK-47 and on the, I've got the original Russian blueprints for the AKM and there's this beautiful graph that somebody hand drew with a bunch of X measurements and Y measurements for what that profile needs to look like in order for the bullet to hit on target. Now, <clears throat> Pete knows this data way better than I do, but at a thousand yards, the, um, the embodied energy in an AK round is not exciting and it's not accurate, and the drop has got to be something like 40 or 50 feet or something like that. So, you know, people should not expect to be hitting stuff out at 100 yards or 1,000 yards with any accuracy with an AK, but the reason they put that in was for volley fire. So if you can imagine getting 100 dudes um, to basically shoot their AKs as if they were mortars, plunging fire down onto an enemy position where you're just going to coat the ground in lead. That's what those long range markings are for on the AK. So there's sure. the historical reason behind those two. Yeah, Brian, as you were saying, you know, the, the drop out to a thousand, um, on an AK with, you know, using the, like a red army standard 124 grain FMJ, you're, you're roughly 57 MOA. Um, I, I, I would have to do calculation to figure that out in inches or feet, but, uh, that, that's a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that makes sense. So we've got, we've got our site. So that's a good place to start on our, uh, our site. So let's just talk about the, the rear site there on the AK 47. So you've got the rear leaf and that rear leaf has got a, a mechanism. What's that mechanism called that slides up and down there? I'm going to invent a name and call it the cross slide, but I have no idea what the actual name for that thing is. Do you know what it is, Jay? Um, you know what? Nomenclature probably varies. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I didn't know I'm if gonna, there was I'm like... Gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to go with Brian on that. Okay. I haven't seen anything yet. So so the little slide I, uh, uh, you've got on there, and that slide is going to be moving on little tick marks that you've got m marked up and down there. And it starts with a... Uh, at the very bottom, we're going to look, the very front here, and it's, it's either a P or is that the pi symbol, would you say, that that is? Uh, exactly. Uh, or <laughs> uh, the people mark is what Jay calls it. <laughs> P's for people. Yeah, I like, to, I, I like to refer to it as the P for people. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes up, and you see a 1, you see a 2, you see a 3, uh, and the uh, evens are on the left, the odds are on the right, uh, and those are meters. So that one is 100 meters, two is 200 meters, three, 300 meters, so on and so forth. And depending on which 
uh, company you've got, which brand you've got, it could go all the way up to 10, which would be a thousand meters. Um, the one I'm looking at right now, I think this one came off of Palmetto State Armory and it goes to eight. I know the Visca goes to 10. It's got a, it's got a thousand on it. Um, but th- those will vary, but those are meters. Those, those aren't yards. So you need to know that. Uh, and then as, as Brian said, that, uh, little analog computer you've got there, as you move that up, that's going to move your leaf, uh, higher and higher and higher. So, uh, as you're going out to longer distances, that's what that adjustment is for. And that's your rear, uh, rear sight. You guys have anything else to add to the rear sight? All right, so we've got that. So we're going to move up to the the front post site now. And uh, who wants to hit the front post site? Tell us the the parts of the front post site. Sure, I can I can handle that. So there's the the tower itself, and then there's a drum, the front site post drum that you press back and forth with the front site adjustment tool. And you need the you need one that they didn't give the um, the soldiers in their in their cleaning kit, there's a front sight tool that adjusts elevation, but not one that adjusts windage. And the story that I've heard is that um, they didn't want anybody who wasn't an officer mucking with that thing. Right. And so it's pressed in there. And um, so to initially, and basically the first time you ever touch the gun is the only time that you need to really mess with it. But you press it back and forth. To get your windage adjust, that's the only windage adjust on the st- on the stock AKM. Um, and then there's a vertical elevation screw. The actual front sight post itself mm-hmm. um, screws in and out of that thing. If it's wobbly, um, you can pull it all the way out, and you'll notice a slot in there. You can jam a screwdriver in there to spread it out a little bit, and then sort of test, retest. Um, Marty, you've got a bunch of great data here that that I truthfully didn't know but um one full turn gives you a 7.87 or 20 centimeter raise a point of impact at 100 meters yeah it'd be 7.87 inches or 20 centimeters uh and that's if you're behind the rifle uh you turn it clockwise um and that's going to clockwise is going to raise your point of impact so if you're shooting low you want to turn it clockwise uh to adjust your your post and then of course counterclockwise lowers your point of impact so if you're shooting high um, then that's going to bring your point of impact down lower so your front post side is doing your elevation and your windage so that rear that rear isn't doing anything other than just adjusting for for distance for you yep and it's pretty clever how they broke that out it's it's a very simple system that they have going yeah. um, on the rear a millimeter left or right gives you uh 10.23 or 26 centimeters impact change at 100 meters. Um, Which is pretty substantial. So that little bit of movement uh, at 100 meters, which 100 meters uh, is uh, how many yards? It's like, like 109, 109.4-ish. Yeah, so less than 110, somewhere between 110 and 109. Um, it's 109, which is 109.4, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, I mean, 10 inches is big for one millimeter of movement. So you don't have to move it left or right very much. So you, uh, I think you were talking about jamming a screwdriver in there, Brian, to <laughs> to adjust that drum. Uh, no, the, uh, another part, the, the part that screws into the drum, the, the front 
site itself. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're wiggly when you get them from the factory and you don't want them flopping back and forth. Oh, I guess. So you. you unscrew it all the way and you'll see that it looks like a tuning fork. And if you jam a screwdriver into that gap, you can widen the tuning fork and that increases the tension and it'll keep your front side post from flopping around. Oh, okay. All right. I yeah. was, uh, I misunderstood you on that, but that is, that's a good tip. Good tip there. Uh, but you so don't want to use that screwdriver to adjust your left or your right. No. And you, you'll have a really hard time doing that. That, uh, that, that barrel is essentially pressed into the front sight tower, uh, with a friction fit. Um, it, it, it's actually going to take an enormous amount of effort to, uh, uh, to move that, um, uh, in or out, left or right, however you want to call it. And there are tools. So like Brian said, some AKs come with tools, but those tools uh, generally are just going to adjust your elevation. They're not going to adjust your windage. Now, you can go out and and buy uh, aftermarket tools. Tapco has one, a windage and elevation tool for the AK-47 and the SKS. Um, Who was the one that you said, Brian? X-Tech now has one um, that's just released and looks very nice, looks well-made. I don't know if Tapco is still in business. I keep hearing that they're that they're out of business. Um, and Magnematic is the other classic one. Okay. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then, Ma- yeah, Magnematic is the one that I hear most people talk about, and it seems to be kind of the standard, you know, the go-to. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah it's just- pretty much up. Uh, pretty much what I recommend you use with a uh, tremendous amount of uh, field experience. I'm really confident with that one right now. Okay. Same. Well, we'll, we'll just base all our things on using the Magnematic since that's the one that you've been using, Jay. Uh, just real, real high level talk about that tool, what it does, and how to use it. Uh, basically, that tool uh, will, will allow you to uh, service whatever you need to do to your um, to your AK rifle. Period. Whether or not you have something with a standalone front sight, or if you have something that has an integral gas block front sight, the Magmatic um, uh, has the flexibility to be able to uh, to push that drum. Whereas uh, some of the other ones that we've um, seen in the past just don't have that ability. Once you get through the learning curve uh, with it and, and understand how small of a movement you're actually going to have to use on that front sight, you're essentially golden. So you, you can adjust your uh, your windage through the drum. Now, a piece of this tool will also allow you to uh, either do service on your on on your front sight post or make adjust uh, make elevation adjustments. Very cool. So, so a very robust tool, and somewhere around thirty bucks, thirty-five bucks, uh, you guys can can get this online from various places. Yep. I'm looking at their website. They've got it for thirty-five ninety-nine right here. Uh, yeah, and, and they make another one that's a uh, uh, a little more involved. That's a little bit more money, and uh, you know, a- a- entry level, thirty some bucks for sure. Yeah. Very good. So another component of that front post site that we didn't talk about are the uh, are those called wings? Is that what you're calling those? That go I like to call them ears. The ears. And those are a unit of measurement as well if they're done correctly. I think we found out that uh, in one of our ways to sight it in that that's going to come in handy. And we'll talk about that in just, uh, just a little bit. So uh, as far as sights go, I mean, that's pretty much our main components of the, the basic iron sights on an AK-47. Right, guys? 
Fundamentally, yep. yes. I mean, th 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 there are absolute variations between manufacturers. Um, um, some will have a, a flip-up portion that will enable a night sight to be incorporated into those, into those but um, it's not something that's uh, very prolific right now, and it's surely not something that's addre uh, addressed in, uh, in the Western market. Uh, Eastern market, yes, but in the U.S., um, we pretty much just swap that front sight post for something that has a tritium capsule in it. Uh, in former Comblock countries, they'd have a, a flip-up that would also be usable. Okay, that's very cool. So now let's talk about how you go in. I think that's where I want to go next. How you go in and, and zero it. So you know the basic basic parts of that. I guess ammo, we probably should talk a little bit about ammo too. So Pete, talk about the 7.62 ammo that you guys make. I've always been a big fan of, you know, 7.62 by 39. Being a guy that, you know, works in ballistics all the time, you know, comparing it to the 5.56, I mean, there is a, uh, in my opinion, a major uh, ballistic advantage to stopping power and, you know, 7.62 by 39 versus, you know, 5.56. Defiant Munitions specializes in a solid copper projectile. What we've done is we, we designed a 124 grain uh, solid copper expanding projectile and uh, they expand, you know, twice it over twice the size of the diameter of the bullet easily and they give wonderful penetration and uh we're, we're pushing our load um out of like the occam defense rifle right at 2400 feet per second and it, it just performs very very well very good so let's start off with the com block method of sighting in your ak uh so what you're going to want to do is your target needs to be a certain dimension so your target needs to be a 25 centimeter width by 35 centimeter height at 100 meters. Uh, and this goes into those ears that uh, I was talking about earlier uh, uh, on that target. So what you do is you just you just take the your sights and you put them on the bottom of that. You line it up and then you do your five shots. I, do you re typically recommend five shots when you're, when you're sighting in? You do a lot. Well, I, do, I do three to five. Yeah, it just depends on how I'm feeling. Yeah, I do three to five as well. I mean, if my my first three shots felt solid, you know, I'll, I'll just go with three. Okay, but uh, three five, to five, is five gives you you know a good a good sampling. Uh, so three to five, depending on you know how you, definitely more than two, I would think. This assumes you're on paper already. Uh, it depends how good a shooter you are with. So if you're not on paper, then you're going to have to do something else. If you're hitting the paper, then you can make your adjustments. So. With this method, with the com block method, you take that shot at 100 meters at that 25 by 35 uh, target, and then where your group is, wherever it is on that that target, you measure down, and it should be 25 centimeters from where that group is to the bottom of that target, and then you know you're good. So if it's not, then you make adjustments to where you are, and then of course the 35 centimeters up and down. Uh, goes into your different distances. So once you get it sighted in at the 100 meters, then you can back it up and you can test your shots uh, as you go back. Yeah, I think I, I think academically that makes perfect sense, and and, and it's making full advantage of the um, you know the mechanisms of the firearm. And I'm sure that probably in a strict martial setting, that's you know very likely. Uh, and a thing I forgot yeah, is no, you're going to set it at 300 meters when you do this. So your target's at 100 right. meters. You're, you're putting That's your right. rear sight at 300 meters, 
uh, and then you're making this shot, and then the the 25 by 35 target. Do your group five shot group, and then measure down, uh, and then your impact group should be 25 centimeters uh, from the group to the bottom. And once you've established that, then you've for this method, then that's when it's considered sighted in. Okay. Right. And then what they do then from there is then they just move it back to the P. Um, and I think that's something that we didn't mention either. So P on an AK-47 is the same as the 300 mark, 300 meter mark. On an yes. AK-74, the P uh, is equal to the 400 meter mark. So it's a little different on the uh, the AK-74. And we're just talking about the AK-47 today. Uh, so. Yeah. So that's the com block method, if you want to do it that way. And there are targets out there that you can go buy that are specifically made for zeroing in AK-47s. So if you didn't, if you uh, if you didn't want to buy one and you want to make your own, then just that's your measurements that you use. Do a 25 to 35 centimeter rectangle uh, on a target and then shoot at that, and that's what you've got to go with. Yeah. And there's there's probably fifty thousand different ways that people. You know, prefer to zero. For sure. These are For just sure. some ways. You know, th- this is to get right. get people started. So the com block method. That's that's the com block method. The Western way or the American way is for the seven six two by three nine. Get a target that's calibrated. Again, you can go get these targets that are calibrated for certain distances for the seven six two by three nine round. Uh, you get one for twenty five meters. So you set your target twenty five meters. You set your rear at two hundred. Uh, the two, two marks, 200 meters. Do your five-shot, three-shot group, whatever you want to do. Uh, and then you make adjustments from there on that. And then once you get that adjusted, once you get that sighted in, uh, then you back up to 100 meters. Then you set your rear to 300 meters. You get that sighted in. And once that's sighted in, uh, like Brian was talking about before, move it back to the P and then just forget about it, and then you're good to go with anything inside 300 meters. And once you're getting outside the 300-meter range, uh, for most of the AKs, you're getting out of their effective range. Would you say, Brian? Yeah, we can hit stuff at five and 700 with our guns, but that doesn't mean you should. The way that I tell people is that if they ever need to shoot a bad guy at 300 meters, I hope they have somebody like Pete with a bolt gun and another guy with a belt fed because things have gotten very real. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. So those are two two different ways. I mean, I've simplified it, but that's basically what it is. And there are videos out there that you guys can go and, and pull up. Like uh, Pete was saying, Travis Haley's got one. He's got a different way that he, he does his zeroing in. Uh, and then another thing that I wanted to mention was those sights sometimes are called the uh, the front sights on the um, the AK are sometimes called the caveman EOTech. Have you guys heard that before? Negative. Do tell. Okay, so if you, if you look at it, uh, it's not a complete circle, but if you if you picture a complete circle and then you've got the front post sight as the center dot, like in an EOTech then you've got an EOTech dot, and that works for CQB. So when you're, you know, 25 or closer, then you're basically just popping that up and you're using that front post site as your, as like your caveman EOTech. That makes sense. Yep. So you're not, you know, looking down the rear site. You're just popping that up. You're using the front site as your EOTech and then putting that on target and bing, 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 popping your target. So I thought that was kind of cool. I'd never heard it called that either. 
All right, so let's get into some of these alternative ways, some other ways um, that uh, you guys like to cite them in. And Jay, we'll start with you on how you prefer to cite your AK in. Citing in the irons, I basically, which I have to do kind of frequently with new product samples and new rifles and whatnot. So for the sake of efficiency of time and ammunition, I like to start at 25 and see where I'm at. And when I do that, I, 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 I'm not a practitioner of using the rear sight leaf hardly at all. Uh, basically, I'll leave it on P and I just zero there. So from there, I'll um, basically just put my ears uh, around the center of my target. Um, and I, I'm, I'm essentially just using uh, uh, paper plates or uh, regular printer paper at 25 i don't i don't get into using special targets for that sort of stuff because of volume and whatnot and i'm also always almost always using the same 124 122 grain uh fmj ammunition anyways so there's that um basically what i do is i'll um i'll i'll get myself or verified that i'm on paper at 25 and then um i'll walk it out to 75 and 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 then adjust from there see see where i'm at and um as long as long as i'm hitting you know an inch some low at 75 i'll bring it farther out at 100 and then uh beyond that i i may or may not depending upon what i'm going to be using that rifle for um i i may not then again verify at 200 um but as long as i'm 100 and super solid I know that whatever I'm going to be engaging from 300-ish meters and in, um, I'm, I basically have a zero effect. So from there, it's just basically my hold and, and go from there. Because if I'm, if I'm zeroed at 2.5 and I'm verified at 100, if I'm going to be shooting um, something static at a distance beyond 100, I'll adjust my hold onto my target to uh, to affect uh, where my round is going. So if I'm at um, if I'm going to be engaging something static at three to four hundred meters, I will um, I'll basically lollipop my target. Um, so I'll put my front sight post upper. You know, if if we're shooting at a humanoid type target, I'll I'll put my front sight post somewhere around throat level so that my bullet drop will hit at um, you know what we could call center mass ish right around there um, or alternatively if i'm going to be shooting closer i'll hold front sight post at belt buckle and the and you know and be going for a gut or center mass shot with that and and that's basically the short theory on on how i zero which is basically just um, zero uh, zero adjust uh, direct point of aim and your distances are in yards or meters Always meters because uh, I, I kind of suck at math. So um, <laughs> what, ten, t- tens work really well for me because they're easy to count. Very good. Ryan, what about you? I think I probably zero 90% of the rifles that come out of the shop or something like that um, just because I like seeing what we're building. Um, and so we end up grabbing um, boxes like whatever big packing boxes are coming in, if we can get a, a sheet of cardboard that's three feet by four feet, I'm really happy. And we'll take uh, shipping label, um, shipping labels like 
like that come out of a printer, but basically like a four by six card. And I'll just slap those stickers down probably at one foot intervals or so. And then I'll put a little dot like what you would see, you know, the little red dot stickers that you can get for color coding. I'll put one of those in the middle. And um, so that'll be our setup for five or six guns pretty easily. And um, we'll have a spotting scope set up, which is the best 30 bucks that I can ever advise you to get on Amazon is just get a dirt cheap spotting scope and you'll love it. Um, and then we do everything at 50 and um, we have a nice big berm. And one of the, I'm trying to put this into the framework of our, our listeners at home that might not have access to the kind of ranges that we do, where we can just walk out wherever we want at any time. That used to be my big problem. Um, when I was a beginning shooter was having to deal with the standard range for zeroing is an utter friggin' nightmare. So, um, you know, often though, I'll almost always, except in the case of an indoor range, um, you've got a berm that you can shoot into. And in the case of, of the, the indoor shooter, I'd say start at 25 and, and everything will be the same. But if you're outdoors on dirt at 50, I'll pick out dirt clumps for the first, I don't know, two or three shots and see where I'm printing on the dirt. You know, whether I'm a foot right or left of um, of whatever the clod is, and then I'll make some gross movements to where I'm confident I'm going to get on paper. And then I'll move to a target that's relatively or in this for our listeners case, just pick any target near the middle of, the, of this nice big sheet of paper and put down one or two rounds and look at where they land on the paper and then start making your adjustments and uh you know, for we'll go over red dots in a little bit, but for iron sights, the best advice I can give people is everybody gets turned around about which way to adjust the thing. And the best advice I can give is imagine that the that the post is never moving and you're because it's pointing straight at where you want the bullet to go, and you're actually moving the gun underneath the post. It's a bit like looking at a compass. If you've ever done orienteering to a compass, you keep trying to get where north is to change but really the right way to look at a compass is that that the compass rose itself is or the the needle is never moving you move yourself around it same thing on the front side is if you can keep that that the front sight post doesn't move and you're moving the gun under it everything will become simple there so we'll do after we're close to the the target that we're actually aiming for i will take that three shot group and make an adjustment and at a hundred yards, you know, if you've got, or a hundred meters that it, with a 10% error, I'm just not concerned. So I actually don't, <laughs> the scientist in the room doesn't care about the difference between meters and, and, uh, and yards. Um, so I'll just make, you know, if it's a, if you have a, well, we'll talk red dots later, but there's conversions that we should talk about between 50 yards and a hundred yards for red dots. But, um, in yeah. the case of the, uh, um, in the case of the irons, you know, lefty already gave you guys the prescription there. So if you need to move five inches, uh, left or right on the, the drum there, um, you're gonna want to move half a millimeter. So basically you're just going to take that, that side adjustment tool and bump it basically just until you feel it move and then try again. And I can't get much more precise than that is that I just try and really just nudge it a little bit, test, retest, keep doing, iterating in until you're good to go. And yeah. that spotting scope is going to save you so much time doing this 
like I wouldn't, if I was at a public range, I wouldn't go there without a spotting scope in my hand because it'll take you eight hours. Yeah, definitely. Spotting scopes are, are worth their weight in gold, especially if you're just paying $30 for them. So get one. Invest in one of those. It's a lot of shooter input, too. You know, people dicking around, you know, people dicking around trying to chase this goddamn hole in the paper. And it's actually, and it's actually them just um, um, mashing a trigger. You know oh, that. Yeah, let me wrap, or Jay, why don't you wrap on that for a minute? But if you can't shoot a group, don't start zeroing, basically. Yeah, like, maybe you can go over getting some sandbags and getting comfy and, you know, that your resting point of aim, your natural point of aim comes back to the same place at the exhalation. Right. All that nonsense. You're totally right. You don't you don't have any business until you can shoot a group. Right, because I, I mean, like, I, th- th- there was a time in my younger, prettier days when I was a really excellent precision shooter, but uh, I'm old, fat, and ugly now, and um, I, 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 I can't shoot the way that I used to shoot. So now I know what I know basically where it is that's going to be the best that I'm going to be able to do, basically in the moment. And, and and that's a and and that now becomes my common average, particularly for these types of rifles. Yeah. So another thing that I wanted to to make sure that our listeners understood, I didn't want to take it for granted, but I did, uh, is the shooting position, Brian. When you brought that up, is you you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have an unstable uh, rifle when you're shooting. So you want to get a good, comfortable shooting stick or brace or something to to brace the handguard. Yeah, not the barrel. You don't want to rest your barrel down on anything because that's going to mess with your harmonics. Uh, but you want to do it around the handguard area uh, and just get good and comfortable to where the rifle isn't moving. So you want to keep your rifle as stable as possible when you're when you're zeroing. So you know, don't do this standing. Uh, you know, don't throw it up on a, a brick wall or something like that. You know, with the barrel. Um, you know, get a good, nice, comfortable position whether it's prone or you're sitting at a shooting table or whatever that may be yeah and and that that really cannot cannot be overstated you know travis haley i watched him at at a class that i took he was uh demonstrating in prone which is comfortable with him i have some neck issues where prone is almost impossible for me so the same what i'm about to say is the same for bench rest shooting but travis spends about five minutes getting comfortable on the ground and he'll drop down quick as you know he's super fast but then he kind of looked like a sand crab trying to dig into the sand to hide he kept shimmying his body around he was digging in footholds with his boots and um these guys the the it's really worth watching a high precision shooter get ready to shoot and it is like you know it makes a dog circle in the dog bed look like you know the fastest <laughs> thing around they really take yeah. their time to get comfy and maybe pete since he's the pro in the room can can give us a little sermon on that yeah i was i was gonna say what i what i typically do in practice uh when i'm getting ready to zero any rifle and if you you could see it more in a scoped in a scoped rifle over a red dot or over an iron sight gun but what I typically do is I get into position, get comfortable, get a solid rest, and then I'll I'll break the trigger on a dry, you know, on a dry chamber, you know, you know, half a dozen times or more. And if I see movement in my crosshair, my you know, my sights, my red dot, you're you're not there. Um, so I will I will keep doing that, shifting my stuff around until 
until I'm getting no movement out of the rifle when my trigger breaks. Um, like I said, you could see it more in a scoped rifle, um, but and it's harder to see in you know iron sights. But um, you know maybe pick a closer target so you could see the movement a little bit more um, before you start shooting. So I'll, I'll take you know you know half a dozen or more you know dry shots, uh, you know just to just to make sure I'm you know set before I start shooting. Yeah, that, definitely good tips right there uh, to get the most out of your zeroing. Uh, if you're going to take the time to do it, uh, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to cut corners. You want to do it right, uh, and you want your, yeah. you know, you want your rifle as as accurate as possible, because uh, this is going to be your, you know, life and death sometimes uh, tool, and you're you're going to want it to work and want it to work accurately. So let's talk about yep. um, let's talk about red dots. Uh, let's go let's go down the red dot path, Brian. Now there are some AKs that won't allow you to do you know to mount certain things, and you've got to get aftermarket accessories and maybe some switch some parts out and get rails on there. Uh, if you're using a red dot, what's something that you you want to keep in mind when picking out a red dot for your AK-47? The biggest um, there's there's what toss bracket you're gonna pop into. They all cost about the same per year of use. Um, with one exception that I'm aware of. And what I mean by that is that a Bushnell red dot um, costs about 60 or $70, <clears throat> and it'll last about a year. And an aim point costs six to $700 and comes with a 10-year warranty. And so the cost of ownership is pretty much identical. Um, the one exception that I would speak of that's in there are these Holosun red dots. We've had extraordinarily good luck with them. And they're about 200 bucks. And that's what we, we shoot, you know, on our Instagram channel, you'll see some pretty crazy targets. And we shoot all those on a $200 Holosun that's on an arms 31 low mount. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's my favorite optic right now, but cost and, and weatherproofing and battery life are certainly issues to keep, uh, to keep in mind the battery life, you know, on, on the Holosuns and on the aim points is very good. The MRO is like is also pretty good. The MRO has a fair amount of parallax. If you test the parallax when you get off angle by more than a little bit, you'll watch it kind of fall off a cliff. So it's just something to be aware of. Um, and I like some sort of co-witnessing with the red dot to the irons. Um, and it's mostly just so that your natural point of aim stays the same whether you're using irons or red dots if a if an optic breaks it's usually because it fogs or gets mud on it not because the battery went dead so when you guys are gaming out your you know your scenarios for when the zombies march you really do need a, a qd mount that's that's critical on any piece of electronic equipment is that you can get rid of it because they do fail um i think that's about about it for the high level red dot comments that i have uh one point or one question i have for you and you know it has to go with the mount you're talking about low mounts with with a red dot on an ak those are lower than on an ar uh, you're going to have to get them lower than on an ar and there are uh, specific mounts out there that will allow you to do that for some red dots some red dots don't have the mounts for it yeah, that's correct. And that's one reason why you don't see a lot of people running around with, um, help me out what, what big army uses. Um, 
the big clunky red dots that look like something out of Star Wars. Uh, the uh, CL uh, CL ones or um, uh, ML ones, the, 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 the general brand, the ones that had all the tempco problems, the temperature. EOTech. EOTech. You don't see a lot of EOTech on on AKs um, because the height over bore is is kind of gnarly. It doesn't mean that you can't. It's just that you don't see a lot of them. The net the, well, the, the height over bore on an AK is two inches. Um, on a stock AKM, the the normal height over bore for an AR-15 or you know M16, whatever that family is like 2.6 to 2.7 inches, and so you got like three quarters of an inch difference there that you got to make up for. And there's no real native, you know, the way there's a flat top forged upper for an AR, there really isn't for the AK. And um, so you know you that's a big focus of what we do here is to get that as low as possible. And with, with the setup that I just mentioned on our rifles, the height over bore is sitting at 2.4 inches using those low mounts. So it's kind of halfway between an AR and an AK. The, um, the Ultimac and some of those rail tubes will get you into that two inch height over bore with a 50% Something like an um, an Ultimac or some of the other railed gas tubes out there, which are an option, you can get that two-inch height over bore co-witness. And when we say 50% co-witness, that just means that the red dot and the top of the front sight post are right on top of each other. And on a lower one-third co-witness, that's when the irons are in the lower one-third of the red dot window. I tend to prefer lower one-third because I like less junk in my way. But I generally also like people to have the same natural point of aim between the systems. So the setup that I'm currently running is 50% co-witness. Nice. And and what uh, what did you say you're using a Holosun? Yeah, one of the $200 Holosuns. I forget the exact model number. But another thing to look out for if you're over 35 or so is to not get the Holosuns or or probably any red dot that has a reticle a red dot reticle because astigmatism creeps in starting in you know early 40s and um that makes that that crosshair look awful it's just one big blur and at least with the dot you get the same kind of effect with the dot it will turn into an hourglass or a slash or something as long as you pick one corner of that slash you're okay um but when it comes to the those big reticles for older folks uh, i haven't met anybody over 40 who likes those things but <laughs> yeah. for you young bucks out there rock on and, until i got my um mind corrected i i couldn't use a red dot at all i mean they were just all over the place They're yeah pretty much useless. I, i'm slightly over 40 and i guess i've been blessed to have you know perfect you know vision but uh but yeah, I, I actually, I run aim points with the, uh, I found that the, the factory aim point mount is works, works well for me. It's, it's not a quick detachable. You got to use a T15 wrench to get it off, but, but, uh, I haven't found anything lower, um, lower, or I mean, as low as that mount to use. Um, I don't have any experience with the hollow suns. Um, like I said, I, um, but I, I've I got experience with the with the ride on, and I know Brian, you got a little bit of experience with it also. Uh, but as far as the you know the height, those work good. Yeah, those uh, 
all of those are knockoffs of the Aimpoint mount. And so this ARMS, A-R-M-S, it stands for like Atlantic Research Marketing Services or something weird like that. But A-R-M-S, the number 31 is the same height as the Aimpoint non-QD mount. And uh, yeah, remind me uh, after the show, Pete, and we'll get you squared away on one of those. They're, they're, yeah, I'm, they're, I'm writing that down right now. Wait. So there's uh, there's different ways to mount them. You're talking about Umarex has one, uh, the gas barrel mount. Uh, there's side mounts. Uh, if you've got that uh, attachment where you can uh, put like a Midwest Industries or um, I think UTG, even UTG makes those side mounts to where it's going to go over the, the dust cover. Uh, and then there are companies such as yourself, Brian, that have a uh, rear sight replacement that has rails on it. Yep, yep. We sell one that's a single piece pick rail plus rear notch um, that if you want to keep your gun stock, um, that that's the, you know, the simplest possible solution. There are other companies which make very fine mounts um, that are similar, I guess, uh, you know, um, the, oh gosh, uh, Fred Stetcher's his name. Really nice guy. Help me out. Somebody. Uh, Saberworks. Saberworks. Saber, Thank you. Saberworks. Yeah. So they have a really neat system. That's a, where you can swap out different rails up top, um, or sites. Um, we also, you know, did something with our rail that gets you out all this stuff as well, where you can just start running whatever you want on top. It's the equivalent of the forged flat top upper for a an AR-15 where we just have a, a unitary rail running down the whole length of the gun. Um, there's a couple other companies doing that as well. Um, trying to think of other good. The Ultimac is the old classic. They, they're they kind of the first ones with the gas tube. Mm-hmm. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to one of those. Um, so, you know, they, they do get very hot. So don't plan on touch. If your fingers have a tendency to wrap around to the top of the gun, that's not going to be a good time for you. Um, they also depend on the, the journal, the outside diameter of the barrel being exactly correct to the AKM spec. If it's not, it, it won't work right. Um, but that's the one that like, you know, four screws and you're in the game. And so awful hard to, to argue with, you know, just there's a lot of good solutions for, for for folks depending on what they want and um our options require a fair amount of dedication and others uh you can just try out in an afternoon so it really depends so let me ask you guys your opinion on co-witnessing how important is it that your um your red dot or scope co-witness with your irons i'll let jay go first all right well uh, the, uh, I'm gonna circle back to stigmatisms for a second okay um, and and w- w- which is going to provide the answer of why it is that I require uh, co-witnessing of my red dot with my irons is that I I have found recently that if I have a rear sight that I can see through with better than one-third lower co-witness, that it is actually changing the focal length that my right eye that has the astigmatism needs to correct the stigmatism. So looking through my aim point, um, what what used to look like an asterisk um, has now returned to a for real 
normal aim point picture as long as I'm looking through a, um, a good rear sight first. And it's changing my focal length on my eye and correcting my stigmatism in returning that red dot to what it to what it should have been. Um, that's my personal primary reason why it is that I insist on running um, uh, co-witness. co- co-witnessing yeah. irons with, with my red dot. And, and that applies to uh, my ARs as well as my AKs. The other the the other reason that I I, I like to insist that iron sights um, are totally visible through my optic is that um, I, I I insist in my training programs for myself and 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 with my students that everybody maintain a level of proficiency with iron sights. Period. Very good. Um, so is it that. is it possible to have a red dot not co witness and still be able to function the the rifle properly accurately and then like you say if the red dot goes off if you got a qd you just pop it off and then you go to your irons as long as your irons are zeroed in i i don't i i, I don't see any reason that that that, that would be prohibited on un, un, unless the optics mount that you're choosing to mount your uh red dot to gets rid of your rear sight which is one of the cool things about Brian's product is that it maintains a um, uh, a sight picture. Um, as so, th- there's that. So if you have to strip off your optic and and still go fight, um, you, you you still basically have something to index your front sight off of. Um, so as 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 long as you maintain that ability, um, you, I I think that you're that you're totally good to go. But um, in the chances or likelihood that you're in a fight and you've got to strip your, um, you've got to strip an optic off, you should probably be going to a secondary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. People, people tend to get very comfortable in today's technology with, with electronic sites. And, uh, I absolutely agree with, uh, Jay on what you said there. Um, I've been in classes where, uh, people, uh, iron sights are completely foreign to them. And it's like, all right, let's dump your optic and, you know, see what happens. And they, they really don't have a clue. I, I think it's, I think you need to be, I think you need, a person needs to become very proficient um, on iron sights before you move to an electronic site. Because, you know, the, the sights do fail. It's, it's very rare. Um, but I was just at the range just the other day. And I and I had my uh, aim point. The battery went dead. In it. it went dead from the time I left my shop to the time I went to the range. So I mean, it does happen. It does. Um, it happens stuff, to me a lot. <laughs> yeah, stuff gets dropped, um, broken. I've I've smoked out an aim point on a uh, one of my crinks um, that was running an Alti Altimac um, rail. I've smoked one out to where it didn't work anymore. Um, so. You, a person needs to know how to run their, their iron sights and run them proficiently because Murphy's law says that shit's going to happen in at the worst of time. Absolutely. Facts. <laughs> to loop back around what Jay was saying, for those of, of you thinking that, uh, or for those who might be thinking he's blowing smoke about the lens effect, um, that's a very real thing. And I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on for a while because I noticed the same effect with our Merc rail and the peep sights that we make for it. 
um, I was getting really good focus on my front sight post using the tiny deep aperture. And then until I realized what I had done, which is you, you're making a, a pinhole camera, which is a very primitive lens. And you'll notice folks with failing eyesight, um, they will make a, a little hole with their thumb and pointer finger and look through that when they don't have their glasses and they get the same thing. And so the way Jay is setting up his irons is really savvy and um, highly recommended. Yeah. And I want to talk about same. the peep sites, but we're going to do that in a minute. And, and, if you, and if you want to see the proof in the pudding on, on, on changing your focal length, you take your fingers and you make like a little itty bitty hole thing and you bring it up to your eye. And, and you can find the focal length and, and that, and that yep, just like, yep, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> and, so and, I'm putting uh, my index finger to my thumb on both hands and then putting them together yeah. and making like a little square. I like Pete's better. <laughs> Pete's better. <laughs> right, but that, that'll allow you to, uh, to figure out what the distance of your focal length actually needs to be. And if you really want to nerd out, you can find the maximum distance and um and then set your set your red dot uh, wherever um that measurement actually is but that's some significantly nerd shit that you know i like to i like to get all up in yeah so um is that you guys good on the red i think we covered red dots pretty good here i think yeah so. i yeah yeah i think so too i mean the biggest thing is uh you know use what i found what i tell people a lot is is use what makes sense to you know your rifle and if you don't know it well enough you need to shoot it more absolutely and everybody needs to shoot it more even i need to even i need to and and if and if you're still not good after it even after you've shot it more then you need to go find somebody to teach you how to shoot your stuff the right way (laughs) correct absolutely get training get training like like buy, buy you know buy good stuff but buy more training there you go absolutely Always train, 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 train. Never stop training. All day, every day. And our next episode of the uh, Talking Lit Podcast, uh, it may come out before this. I don't know. We're actually going to talk about in in this time of uh, social distancing and quarantining, uh, things that you can do to train um, at home without ammo uh, and stay proficient. So that's that's coming up if you haven't already heard it yet. Uh, Let's go to uh, scopes real quick. Probably real, real easy to talk about as far as scopes go on AK-47s. Uh, it's all going to be scope dependent on how you go and sight that in. Uh, Jay, I'm going to let you cover that real quick. Um, just real quickly, um, depending upon what your intended purpose actually is, it will probably um, have uh, a lot to do with what kind of optic you're going to be slapping on top of your rifle, which in most cases, from my experience, is going to be some variety of uh, low-power variable optic. And generally within the 1.4, 1.6, occasionally 1.8 for the ambitious and uh, heavily pocketed. Um, and depending upon how you are going to be mounting that, um, will, will, will greatly determine what your actual output is going to be with that rifle. Now there are scopes that are, uh, are calibrated for the 7.62 by 3.9 round. Uh, and if you, there are. Uh, if you get one of those, then, uh, your adjustments are going to be a lot easier. Uh, but if you're throwing an AR scope, uh, you know, five five six two two three scope on a, 
uh, AK 762 by 39, you know, you're going to have to make adjustments in those in those measurements. Uh, talk about that, uh, Pete, as far as uh, ballistics uh, and scopes go. Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing is, is is it really comes down to even if you have a ballistic reticle, say for 762 by 39, you need to you need to find out exactly what that that reticle set up for. Because say it's set up for, you know, the Red Army Standard 124 FMJ and you're shooting Defiance, you know, solid copper self-defense load, it, it's going to be different. Um, maybe slightly, but it's going to be somewhat different. Um, but, you know, I always thought that those, you know, ballistic reticles, unless, you know, you're going to shoot, you know, exactly what that's set up for, um, you know, they'll get you in the range. They'll get you MOA of man, um, but, or minute of man. Um, but, uh, the biggest thing is, you know, being able to shoot those and, and knowing where you're going to print. Yeah. And the, those are the same way you're going to sight in, you know, your iron sights, you know, start off short exactly. and then work your way out and then make the adjustments as you go, uh, based on yep. the manufacturer's uh, recommendations. Yeah. In the, in the biggest difference with the, with those reticles, um, you know, you're going to see, depending on what load they're set up for at the further distances, two and 300 yards is where you're going to see a little bit of impact difference. Um, you know, depending on how different the load is from what that reticle is set up to. Yeah. The further out you go, the bigger variation you're going to get. And, right. and Pete, I don't want you to necessarily name the other companies when you called me about that data the other day, but would you mind speaking a little bit about just variations gun to gun on the same load? Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, you mean the velocity difference between your, the Occam and some of the other rifles that we shot? Yeah. And how that affects BDC. Cause like, or maybe I can just wrap on it a little bit. Cause I might be just there, there, there can be significant differences in muzzle velocity from gun to gun. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that directly impacts what the bullet drop compensation needs to be, right? The slower the bullet, the faster it's going to drop. Not the faster, but all bullets drop at the same rate. And if they're moving horizontally at a lower speed, the effect is that they're going to drop more than... Obviously, guns that shoot, fatter, shoot faster shoot flatter, right? Yep. And Correct. so... You know, it really is about knowing your specific gun, your specific serial number, and, and that, getting dope off that. Yeah, that that's really what it comes down to. Um, like Brian was saying, we were out at the range. Uh, I think, let's see, I got four different 14.5 AKs, um, and then uh, the Yakum rifle, the 1775, that was the fifth that we had tested. And the velocity difference between all those rifles were, was considerable. I mean, now – when I say considerable, 60 feet per second, 75 feet per second, maybe between all of them, uh, you know, but that that's enough to make an impact difference at, you know, 300 meters. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, really what it comes down to is make it simplistic, shoot your rifle, know what it's doing, and know that you can make 300 meter hits um, and, and what it's going to do from 25 yards to 300 meters. Um you know, like we said just a few minutes ago, it's it's vitally important. One other thing that I want to add uh, also is um, that a cold barrel um, will shoot slower than a hot barrel. So the hotter your barrel gets, the faster your round's going to be also. So 
you know, what, by the time you've shot it and got it zeroed in, your, your barrel's hot. You've zeroed it in on a hot barrel. Uh, if you go out three weeks later and then you shoot that same <laughs> rifle, then right out, right out of the gate, you're not going to get that, um, that zero. You got to warm it up a little bit. Am I wrong in that? Um, you know, in precision rifle stuff, typically what I do is, um, I, I don't get too wrapped around that. I, uh, I shoot both. You know, I, I like to see, you know, the, the difference in cold in hot. Now, in my opinion, you know, you're not going to see a major impact shift in, you know, until you get really hot. Um, I guess it just depends on what's this, <clears throat> excuse me, what firearm you're shooting. But as an AK, I would, uh, I would mainly focus, you know, on, you know, a colder bore shot, I guess, um, you know, you know, five rounds isn't going to make a difference, um, in impact, in my opinion, um, probably not even, you know, barely 20, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely something to be said about that. Okay. Very good. And then, um, anybody else, any final points before we go to our questions? Nope. Okay. Good enough. Let's go to our questions now. I made a post on social media a little bit before uh, we started this. I'm sure there'll be a lot more come in after, uh, uh, after we get done recording, so I apologize for the late post. But let's go to Facebook, uh, and I'm just going to go through here one by one. We may have already answered some of these, but if you guys want to elaborate on them, feel free to do that. Uh, see, Pierce Taylor's got several here. Uh, mounting optics on a railed gas tube, does it really get too hot if I'm not going to do some kind of torture test on the gun? Uh, the, in my opinion, the answer is no. I mean, when I smoked out that aim point on that crank, I mean, I was doing an extreme high, high volume of shooting. Um, you know, it's going to take a lot of ammo to get that sucker hot enough. Okay. Thoughts on adjustable gas block piston for suppression? I just ordered the KNS adjustable piston for mine. Anyone familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. They, they absolutely work. They absolutely work. Yeah, the I'm one not familiar with them. The the one caveat I'll give is that they absolutely work if you're rocking a standard AK. Our guns are um, are tuned differently, and so we've run into issues where our guns aren't gassed enough. Those leak a lot of gas on purpose, and so you may have to bore up your gas port a little bit if you're working with like a rifle dynamics gun or one of ours um, to get them to cycle well. Um, I believe there might be a cup that, that I think they make two different styles of cup. The typical KNS has a gas piston that the front face of it has a big void or what I call a cup in it. And that serves to soften the recoil and take a lot of piss out of the, out of the gas. For us, that's way too much. And I think they make a flat faced version as well that does work. I haven't played with it. Um, but um, that'd be the only caveat. I've heard great things. I've heard of a couple breaking early on, but it sounds like they've gotten that worked out. Okay. Uh, Jay Edgar Paradox on Instagram says, I'm very interested in hearing this. Are there any discrepancies in the process of zeroing a traditional AK-47 762 versus other calibers, starting distance, sight settings, and so on? Um, I mean, as far as the procedure goes i wouldn't think there's any difference in procedure but as far as your measurements and whatnot go uh, it gets into your ballistics right um pete all right 
Yeah, I mean, you, you need to know it, what caliber you're, you're going to be shooting. Uh, you need to have a general idea of what the ballistics are going to do out of that rifle. Um, you know, do you need to geek out and figure out exactly, you know, down to the millimeter? Um, no, but you need to have a general idea of what that's going to do downrange. Um, and, uh, you know, but the procedures would be the same as what we talked about, you know. Okay. Uh, let's see. Basti Grub says, I would like to know about the 400 meter zero of the 545 and Russian optics. Are they worth it? Prisms, not red dots. Or stick to Western optics. Jay. The uh, prism optics, like uh, I think he's referring to like the collimators, um, which are interesting creatures unto themselves. Um, that's really a a preference issue. I mean, there's a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I own a couple of them, um, and, and they work great. Um, they, you know, you have to get your manuals uh, translated into English so that you, so that once again, uh, circling back on your, uh, on your own personal data package, so that you know exactly what you're doing and why it's doing it. Uh, that that's a challenge, but the internet's awesome. So. Um, <laughs> You know whether or not it, it it's functionally better. Um, I'm I don't think that it's anything more than personal preference. Whether you want to run something uh, you know com block or you want to run something uh, western, uh, entirely preference personal choice there. Yeah, I personally uh, prefer the western optics just because they're easier to to get and I can understand them. <laughs> so. Battery, service, warranty, yeah. Yeah. you know, access, accessibility, you know, I, I, I like those things. So, but I, I own some weirder, uh, you know, things too. What's the but, weirdest um, thing you own, Jay? I, I guarantee you own some pretty crazy stuff, unique stuff. Um, I wouldn't even really call it too weird. I mean, like, you know, be, you know, working at Century, I get to shoot some, you know, some pretty interesting stuff and mm -hmm. that, you know, we had um, a couple years ago. We had some of those uh, 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 rather large, funny um, uh, Gen One night vision optics that came packaged with, um, uh, I think, some Polish rifles. I think yeah. they were Polish rifles with Polish night vision. ASLs kind of kind of rifle. No, no, no. The, 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 these were AKMs. These oh, were okay. AKMs. These were yeah. These were sixteen inch. Um, we had to um, we had to manufacture batteries for them because they worked oh, off gosh. a different voltage. It was oh, it wasn't that crazy. It was like either three or six volts, something like that. It wasn't that it, it wasn't that challenging, but um, you know that was pretty neat. That was yeah. pretty neat. Cool. All right, so this one uh, we pretty much answered through several. I mean, there's several different answers for this. Um, Tandem Dooley wants to know, what is the distance recommended for zero on the standard 762 by 39 and what distance should we confirm zero at? So I think we, we went through several different opinions on that. I think so, too. Yeah, so That's all, rewind then, to the first and, of the and, show. <laughs> yeah, and, and then just to touch on it again, I mean, it's really – this is a personal theory here um, is that uh, you have to take into consideration what, what, what your engagement distance are actually going to be and, uh, and, and work from there because um, um, I, 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 I like to have uh, direct solid hits at 100 meters and in. Yeah. Definitely. 
And, you know, I've talked about this on prior episodes, Brian, is, is the uh, 1775, the ODS, once I get it, I'm actually, I'm going to use it for, it's going to be an all-purpose rifle, my APS, but my main purpose is hunting. You know, I want to take it out, and I really want to put it through a good hunting season. And, uh, you know, I'm going to put it through the iron sight zeroing. I'm going to zero those iron sights on that. Uh, but then whatever scope I decide that I want on it, which I don't know yet until I get it and try a couple of different ones on it, um, you know, th- then my zeroing will be based on that. Yeah, that that sounds great. And that's actually the biggest um, argument that I could make for um, something like a BDC reticle is hunting there just because you have a little more presence of mind. Um, but yeah, there's just doping in like I've got a pretty good Kentucky windage just from having if you have the ability to shoot from zero to 300 with steel or just setting up targets you get a real good idea what your holdover needs to be. And just to the degree, I know it's hard for a lot of folks to find a spot where they can even shoot out to 300. So in, mm-hmm. in more urban areas, that's a, a serious challenge. However, it's it's worth the exercise to do. Uh, I'm going to second that, that recommendation of Pete's with the Travis Haley shooting story video where you literally it's start. Video. It's a great video. And you just start from 25 meters and work back to 300 and then he he just shifts his zero based on how each individual gun is shooting, and holy cow, the variation is enormous. Um, to where he'll he'll move a zero up and down to minimize the error across all those three three or four or six differences. And so you know if you've got a a chunk of BLM land and a day um, doing doing shooting stories takes about you know. It'll take the better part of a day to really get that right, but you will learn so much on the far side of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next and last question. Uh, We're going to get this one from Facebook. It comes from Brad Reynolds. And Brad says, what are your thoughts on replacing the rear leaf sight with a peep sight? Does it help with sight picture? And we touched on that a little bit, and uh, that'll get into the peep sights that I want you to talk about, Brian. Yeah, sure. So we just came out with our own PH1 sights. Um, they are a, an iron peep sight. They work very much like those on an AR-15. We find the peep sight to be, I'm sure I'm going to make some people's heads explode here, but I think peep sights are massively better than uh, than the open notch design on the AK. Um, for those magnification reasons we were talking about, you, get, you actually have a lens there that's helping you. And so use that sucker. Um, and so, yeah, they have four different apertures. There's one that's really big that's just a ghost ring. Um, and uh, then there's one that's, gosh, it's probably a millimeter in diameter. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it is tiny and, and it worked. Its magnification is much greater. And so we shoot sub two MOA with, excuse me, sub two MOA with those all day long. And so uh, peep sights in general, I'm a giant fan of. Yeah, I need to buy a set of those for me, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to get you one. Yeah, put me down. Sure. I'm gonna order one too. Good, Good deal. Uh, yeah, we uh, we're shipping those tomorrow. They're getting driven down to our shop today, right? You know, as we speak. Very nice. On, and we're recording this on uh, April 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be dropping in two days from now. So the cool. 15th, we'll be dropping this the fifth. So as you guys oh. listen to this, it's the 15th. Those will be available. You can go to Brian's website. Occamdefense.com. 
and they they will work for we're actually testing them today on a scar and an ar-15 to see how they feel because they're a little lower um so if you like low height over bore for a scar and ar they're probably going to be a really good fit for you they're lower than a stock you know than a regular magpul moe um you know backup iron sight set awesome very cool all right guys i think uh that's a good introduction into the um uh, basics of how to zero your AK-47 with the iron sights uh, and some good tips on red dots and uh, and scopes and some mounts too. We got into mounts. We've talked about mounts in some of the previous episodes, so go back and uh, listen to those and you'll get some golden nuggets uh, in every episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. This is our season two, so if you haven't checked out season one yet, make sure you go back. We had 12 episodes in season one. We're going to be doing 12 episodes this season. We're uh, over the halfway mark with episode seven uh, with this episode. So lots more coming up. If you guys have questions, if you've got topics, if you've got people that you want us to have on the show, shoot me an email, talkinglead at gmail.com, and in the subject put AK Corner suggestion, question, you know, something along those lines so it'll be easy for me to, uh, to point out, and we'll do our best uh, to make that happen. But now, like in every episode, Brian and Jay, it's time for a giveaway. So one lucky AK Corner listener is going to win 500 rounds of Red Army Standard ammunition, 7.62 but 3.9 from Century Arms. And we're going to take our possible winners from the questions that I just read. So we've got, let me read everybody's name here, Pierce Taylor from Facebook. We've got Brad Reynolds from Facebook. We've got Basti.Grub on Instagram. Uh, we've got J. Edgar Paradox, and we've got Tandem Dooley. So I need one of you guys, Pete or Jay or Brian, to pull up a random number generator, and we've got one through five here. Now, did you guys post these questions on uh, your sites? Do you have any questions on your sites that we need to read before we do this? we we'll to give everybody an opportunity. I know it was short, but as of this Recording, these are the names that we have so far. So if you got in after this, I'm sorry. I don't uh, I don't have any. I didn't get it up in time. Yep. That's I'm, what she I'm said. Negligent. Oh, <laughs> negligent regard as well. <laughs> okay, well, we'll run with these five then. Uh, these are five good ones, good loyal hey, listeners. the odds are good. So uh, 500 rounds of Red Army Standard 762 by 39. And go, Brian. All right. You got to make your best random number generator sound. There you go. Okay, that made it work. Number four. (laughs) Number four is J-E-P. J-E-P would be Jason Edgar Paradox. Uh, This was the one on Instagram. He asked, uh, I'm very interested in hearing, are there discrepancies in the processes of zeroing traditional AKs versus other rounds? So that was his question, and that got you 500 rounds there, J. Edgar. So shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com. Let me know that you are the winner of Season 2, Episode 7's uh, 500 rounds. Uh, you must be eligible. If you're not eligible, then you'll get some uh, Century Arms swag, T-shirts, hats, uh, something along those lines. Uh, and then the ammo is going to go to me. <laughs> no, we'll give it to somebody. Um, but I'm pretty sure Jay Edgar's won before or some other stuff. So I think he's uh, he's in one of those free states. Uh, 
Thank God. All right, guys, that was a great show. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on, Pete, uh, joining us from, I don't think we got where you're, what part of the country you're in? Where are you at? Sturgis, South Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah. And you're getting yeah, some snow I, up there still, right? Yeah, we got, well, like I said, it was like 70 degrees two days ago, and then we got like 18 inches. So it's it's cold and miserable now. So, I mean, I was just at the range with the Occam defense rifle two days ago. Wasn't it two days ago? Something like that. Anyways, it was gorgeous out, and uh, now it's not so gorgeous. We're not getting the the snow, but the temperature did drop to the 30s last night here in Tennessee where it had been in the high 70s, I mean, just peaking at 80s here. Just beautiful weather. Everything started blooming. Uh, And then the I think the whole world got rained on last night. I looked at the radar, and that system was worldwide. It was pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, we got snow. So, <laughs> <laughs> but Brian's but, sitting uh, pretty, from what I understand, in Idaho. Idaho's got great weather right now. Yeah, yeah, we're we're very lucky right now. Very good. We, we've had our share of snow this year, that's for certain. Yeah, uh, but and you're still working. Business is, is as usual. You guys are cranking out AKs. You're cranking out the the lubes. You're cranking out all the stuff, right? Yeah, lube is. Lube is held up because a bunch of our parts come from China unavoidably. Uh-huh. I'm, I, I want to make T-shirts that say F China on them, but I'm trying to hold my – well, I got enough to do without that, but I'm so over doing business with China. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's see. And uh, we're down some guys because we use a bunch of intern labor from the local university, which is closed down. Um, but, yeah, we're, we haven't shut down for a single day. We're still cranking out guns. We got – 30 guns in whip in work in process right now so and one of them's yours marty so uh, <laughs> it will be over quite shortly here can't wait uh, uh yeah. you don't know how much i've been my bit is almost chomped in half i've been <laughs> you've been yeah you've been more than patient i've been chomping yeah. on it i just i'm excited man i'm excited to get it i can't wait to shoot it um Heck yeah and then of course century arms is as busy as ever jay we're busy always open Busy, always open. Gun sales are at a record high. You've never been higher, I don't think. Um, but they're still available. There's still guns out there. There's still ammo out there. It may not be the price you want, but it's still available. It's still out there. Uh, and the people, like we said in previous episodes, that were scrambling to get it uh, right now were the ones that uh, they, wanna, it, they weren't us. <laughs> uh, we've got our ammo. We've had our ammo for a while. So. Yep. Be yes, prepared. To all you Democrats who have joined the uh, the gun movement, welcome. We're happy to have you. The recent statistics are that uh, uh, one-fifth of all households went out and bought a gun last month. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So Hopefully there will be a lot of we'll opinions welcome, changed. We'll, yeah, well, welcome to the Republic. We're glad to have you. Yep. Yep. Likewise, yeah. And Pete, give everybody your uh, website contact info where they can get in touch with you and the products that you're offering. Yeah, uh, check me out at defiantmunitions.com. Um, we'd love to have you as a customer. Like I said, we we specialize in you know ultra high end, you know Rolls Royce type solid copper defensive ammo. Um, our prices have not uh, went up uh, since we started shipping, and I don't foresee a price increase. Um, but uh, like I said, we specialize in super high-end 
um, self-defense ammo. So our prices, you know, you're, you're, you know, our AK ammo that we're about to drop, um, is going to be a little bit more expensive, um, <clears throat> than, you know, regular, you know, like the red army standard and stuff like that. But you're getting, you know, you're getting true self-defense, uh, high accuracy, you know, ammo. And, uh, but yeah, check me out and I'd love to have you guys. And I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Now, one question, are you, are you specifically doing the uh, self-defense ammo or are you doing any kind of, uh, hunting precision, uh, rounds also? Um, all of our solid copper line, um, would work, works great for hunting. Um, we actually did some inner city, uh, calling in a neighboring town to me with our, with our 62 grain TCX. Our TCX line stands for, uh, uh, total copper expanding with an X. Um, and, and they work phenomenal. The, uh, same goes with the 124 grain, uh, TCX in the 762. It, it'll work phenomenal with, uh, any, any hunting application. Um, we, we have not come out with any kind of range, you know, range practice type ammo yet, you know, probably foreseeable in the future, but, um, right now I'm just, you know, specializing in your high end self-defense and slash hunting, uh, ammunition right now. So when you were talking about, you know, being able to hunt with the 762 by 39, I mean, our, our load would be, you know, perfect for that. Awesome. Awesome. I'll have to get some of that then. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to send good. you some. Very good. Uh, and then of course, uh, Occam defense is Occam com. That is correct. On the uh, Instagrams and the Facebooks, I think it's Occam Defense Solutions on on the gram and Facebook, and uh, something. If you just Google Occam Defense, or sorry, search Occam Defense in YouTube, you'll find our our videos there as well. But uh, yeah. we answer questions mostly on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. I occasionally check in on, but the place to directly interact with me, Brian, is Instagram. Yeah, and I love it because he Brian posts um, manufacturing videos, you know, through the process. So if you're interested in seeing, um, an AK being made, he goes through and shows you some of those manufacturing processes. It's very cool. Jay, uh, Century Arms, CenturyArms.com. CenturyArms.com. Also check us out at USPalm.com and CanicUSA.com. There you go. And, uh, of course, U.S. Palm making those awesome magazines, those AK-47 magazines and grips. Are you guys still magazines stocked on those? Or are you sold out of those, too? Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're still manufacturing them. I know Machines you are. are running now. Can't keep All up the with time. the demand. It's crazy. It's Always crazy. working. Very good. And, then of course, uh, again, you guys have any questions, comments, uh, about the show, uh, guests you want to have, topics you want us to cover, talkinglate at gmail.com, talkinglate at AK Corner in the subject, and we'll get those done. So until next month, comrades, hopefully this uh, this COVID-19 BS will be done and over with and life will be getting uh, closer to normal, although it's going to take a minute. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. The uh, one other thing, if, if you don't mind. No, um, go ahead. When I was talking about the loads, um, we'll also be working on a subsonic load for 762 by 39 as well. Oh, nice. Um, I, I know there's been several questions about that, and um, <laughs> that is that is definitely something we're going to do. I, I have the ability to make a solid copper bullet that will expand um, well below subsonic velocities, um, so people will still be able to use their subsonic, a true subsonic load, 
um, in a hunting application or self-defense application. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, I don't know anybody in the industry that's been able to accomplish that. And, um, and we'll definitely, uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be doing that. So. <laughs> what our listeners cannot see is all of us just writhing in ecstasy for the arrival of this, of this round where we can't, yeah. it's yeah. impossible to be more excited about something than this. Yeah. That's huge news. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, we'll, I'm gonna... we'll have you back on once you get that out and we'll talk about it. Yeah, that'd be great. I look forward to it. Very good. Again, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. And until next time, Leadheads, go back, listen to the uh, previous episodes, get caught up uh, if you're not caught up yet. And uh, we'll be back next month with more of the Talking Lead AK Corner presented by Century Arms and Occam Defense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs>